uh, on the road up where we drove cattle to Rocky Springs. One summer, they found cattle mutilated. Growing up, I'd heard these kinds of stories. Where I found out from my uh, brother and um, mother that there had been cattle mutilation. Stories of ranchers in isolated areas riding up to find one of their cows or bulls laying dead with its lips cut off with surgical precision, its teeth exposed in a rictus, and its tongue removed. We could never find marks on these carcasses of what had actually killed them. No gunshot wounds. The only thing we found was these eyes, lips, tongues. Those were the areas where there was mutilation. The stories got even weirder about some of my own relatives hiding behind haystacks or keeping watch from pickup trucks with guns to meet the strange lights that for some reason were now showing up in this rural part of Wyoming. I think the most prevalent rumor that was going around is that it was some cult that was got out of hand and as a result uh, this mutilation was taking place and they were certainly... Uh, not uh, people that lived in the valley. It seemed weird to me that in a place like Wyoming's Bridger Valley, where people really didn't lock their doors, at least not back then, that there could be something out there in the endless spaces of pastures and badlands and forests that scared everyone who encountered what it left behind. We never found footprints, but we never found animal prints either around the carcasses. On this episode of That Doesn't Happen Every Day, in which we interview more or less everyday people about things that don't happen every day, we talked to a first-hand witness to the cattle mutilations that occurred in the Bridger Valley of Wyoming in the mid-1970s. There were a lot of dead cattle in that one year. That's Leonard Heisel. He eventually was elected as sheriff of Uinta County, where the Bridger Valley is. However, at the time of this story, in the mid-1970s, he was serving as undersheriff. This wasn't just in this area that this was going on, okay? This was going on in Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, Utah, those four states for sure, and some up in Idaho. Leonard is right. In fact, according to Rachel Monroe's May 2023 article published in The New Yorker, there have been documented cases of cattle mutilated even in the years right after the American Civil War. I'll put a link to her article and links to everything else I cite in this story in the description. Christopher O'Brien's book about cattle mutilations cites the mutilation of sheep in England in the early 1600s. However, the mid-1970s saw an explosion of mutilations across the U.S. from Minnesota to Texas and Illinois to California. Today, the whole thing about cattle mutilations has become a cliché. Just that phrase can conjure up the image of wild-eyed conspiracy theorists flooding the Internet with weird ideas and theories involving aliens and government cover-ups and Illuminati and lizard people. However, to any rancher back in 1976 who had the misfortune of stumbling on one or more of his livestock heinously mutilated, it was far from amusing. I will say this. I heard that if they uh, ever found the, you know, and they used language that we didn't want to put in here, um, they would uh, kill them. The reality of these horrible and strange incidents was driven home even harder when Leonard told me this. I guess Gene Taylor would have been your uncle, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say over 13 had of his mutilated. I had heard that my late uncle Gene, who was actually my great uncle, had some of his cattle mutilated, but having a former sheriff who had investigated it made it all seem more real. And he was checking them every night and then going out every morning. This particular night, he had them in a pasture on the upper end of Dry Creek, up, at, uh, up towards Pitcher Springs. But that night he had six in that pasture mutilated. 
One time, I'd had my mom show me where they'd found those dead cattle by Pitcher Springs. We drove down the rutted, high-centered tracks that were trying to be a road out into the alkali and sagebrush. As we got further away from town and closer to the narrow canyon where the spring is, she told the story of how Uncle Gene had been riding out in this lonely spot far from town and found his cattle drained of blood and robbed of, in my mom's words, their private parts. I wish I had audio from our drive out there, but I hope this description will suffice to give you a feel for what it would be like to be far away from anything and stumble upon a dead cow with its lips surgically cut away, its big square teeth looking like an awful grimace, and all of its blood drained out of its body. You'd think after hearing a story like that, I'd stay far away from Pitcher Springs, and even more so after Leonard confirmed a lot of the things I'd always heard. But maybe I'm just not real smart. So I'm out on the very bumpy road now that leads south of Mountain View to Pitcher Springs. The thing about Mountain View and the Bridger Valley is to the south and uh, to the southeast as well. They have badlands, which are big clay hills, and they usually have horizontal bands through them of different colors, usually pastels like pinks or grays, sometimes almost a blue color, but they're kind of eerie. After driving quite a ways with the gray clay hills of the Badlands staring back at me across a pasture, I drove up into that narrow canyon where Pitcher Springs is. I'm here now at Pitcher Springs and uh, you can hear the water running. And it's actually kind of a peaceful, pretty spot. But at the same time, you know, on the drive out here, you're in a pretty remote place uh, for this area. Once you kind of round the bend past the last house as you drive south out of town, there's lots of hills, there's lots of ravines and dry washes, and there's even some trees. I could see how either up here by the spring or even closer towards the, the ranches down there, it would be easy to do something you know pretty involved and pretty bad and still not be seen. I think the worst part wouldn't just be to come up on that cow and see it dead, but to look around and see, you know, the hills and the washes and the ravines and the sagebrush and wonder if someone, whoever did that, is out there watching you now. Leonard describes what was actually taken from the mutilated cattle. Eyeballs, tongues, lips, genitals on, on the male, and uh, the anus would be uh, extracted any place where there was intake or, or discharge, it appeared as though that was samples taken. Once in a while, there would be a, a, a section of hide taken, like a square or off the rib cage or the neck or something like that. A 2021 article by Sierra McLean in the Capitol Press about a more recent cattle mutilation in Oregon shows a dead cow with what appears to be a near square of flesh cut from its belly without actually going into the animal's abdominal cavity. Leonard sent the mutilated cattle to labs for further examination, and this is what they told him had caused the strange mutilations. We were being told, no, this is not a mutilation, this is predators. That's what we were being told. Do predators normally kill six cattle overnight without making a sound and specifically target the parts of the body that were taken? We were being told that's soft tissue and that's what predators go for first. Leonard describes the sites of the incisions on the cow's bodies. They were very surgical in nature. What he describes is similar to the incisions made on most mutilated cattle. Predators leave 
like teeth marks and that. But they also go into the into the stomach cavity, and we had hardly any of that. Leonard also mentioned that calves and many other young animals will stay with their mothers long after the mother has died. But he said that in all the cases of mutilations that he saw, they never found a calf by the side of its mother. He also said that he never saw any signs of predators that often come to feast on cows after they've died. In the late 1970s, a retired FBI agent named Kenneth Rommel investigated mutilations in northern New Mexico and insisted that animal predation can appear more surgical than it is if people aren't looking close enough. He further posited that the original newspaper articles published in the mid-70s fed a sense of hysteria in which ranchers started to see what they believed were mutilations. I suppose it's possible this might have occurred on some occasions later into the 70s, but even then, you'd still have to wonder what started the initial rash of reports. Perhaps the most important thing, though, is to remember that almost every rancher has seen what animal predation looks like. They, they certainly know what a predator does to their animals. We never had that kind of dead animals with that kind of mutilation before. At least never had it reported and never in the quantities that we'd had in that one that first year. Furthermore, many of these cattle were found drained of blood with no signs of struggle or blood on the ground. Rommel's explanation was that the blood had just settled in the lower parts of the animals or their extremities. Again, it seems odd that Rommel or anyone else would think people who worked and grew up on ranches and who'd seen dead cattle before, as well as who had occasionally slaughtered and butchered their own cattle, wouldn't be familiar with this phenomenon. The local law enforcement officers were being pretty much ridiculed. Maybe it's not fair to bring this up, but if you live in a rural area, or if you just live in Wyoming, you know what it's like to have people assume things about you that are not true. Could it be that people working in labs or for the government just insisted that ranchers and cowboys who found dead animals maybe weren't smart enough to know what had really happened to their own animals? Pretty much telling us local yokels we were a bunch of fools. In trying to get more answers from the labs he'd taken the mutilated cattle to, Leonard had two words. Totally uncooperative. Were labs told to write things off by some conspiratorial force? Or was it simply writing off the problem as predation made it so your job was easier and you could wash your hands and go home? The question, of course, arises. If predators weren't doing this, who or what was... Okay, there was a lot of talk about maybe it was drug dealers and on and on and on. And I'm saying, no, you know, what, what, what's the purpose of it if it's drug dealers or that? The other culprits that jumped to my mind and probably yours when thinking of mutilated animals would be cult members. In fact, Michael D. Albers' 1979 book, The Terror, said that in September 1975, a Forestry Service employee in Blaine County, Idaho, reported seeing a group of people in black hooded robes. Several cattle were found mutilated in the area the following day. On October 9, 1975, a motorist on U.S. Highway 95 in northern Idaho, in an area of frequent cattle mutilation, reported to police that some 15 masked individuals formed a roadblock with linked arms, forcing him to turn around. Okay, that was the other thing that was going on during this mutilation was satanic rituals, you know. And uh, we we looked at that. We explored that. We had a spot up in the hills where there was at least one young man. that We think he was doing some of that kind of stuff, you know. 
The thing that Leonard shares that tends to blow away the theory of a lone cult member or natural predation is this. Some areas where we had the the carcass, there was definite swirling patterns in the grass and and the dirt from rotor blades. There was definite skid marks on the ground. I mean, we had three unmarked helicopters spotted at the exact same time. Sometimes we'd see them at night and there was no navigational lights on them at all. I I hesitate to say that they were black, you know. My memory, it was they were olive drab. Leonard does admit there would be an occasional helicopter used in the oil fields, but never military-style ones that operated like these did. They were monitoring our radios. Then when we did start talking about it on radio, they all, they were gone, vanished. We had a, a deputy from Sweetwater County that claimed that he was basically pursued by one. He was in a marked pickup. He was out in the, the desert area east of Bridger Valley between here and, and uh, Green River. He, he was quite frightened by it, and he, he said that it went alongside of him. It was right over top of him, and that was alongside of him. And uh, he could actually see the, the people inside, and they were wearing military-type uniforms and uh, he could see they were making fun of him he he was quite scared and according to him he he finally had enough of it he stopped pulled out a shotgun and started shooting and uh, they left of course obviously i do have to admit i don't know why a group of people equipped with helicopters and things that let them drain the blood of cattle in the middle of the night without getting caught would take the time and energy to harass a lone law enforcement officer However, I am sure what Leonard is saying about the helicopter sightings in the Bridger Valley is true, which casts a lot of doubt on the mutilations being caused by natural predation or even a small group of cultists. So I can only give you my theories. Several years before this happened, there was an incident where the military had some uh, gas or some type of chemical get away from them down in Dugway Proving Grounds, Utah. That got into a rancher's sheep, herd of sheep, and it killed a lot of sheep. I know this sounds like a conspiracy theory, but Jim Wolfe's 1998 Salt Lake Tribune article describes a nerve agent called VX, sort of like sarin gas, that in 1968 was sprayed from a fighter jet over a test range 27 miles from Skull Valley, Utah. However, the tanks carrying the agent did not empty completely over the area where the chemical was supposed to be dropped. Westward winds sent VX over a sheep herd. This chemical weapon is said to be able to kill someone in 15 minutes if just a drop of it gets on their skin. In this case, it killed over 6,000 of those sheep. I know this sounds crazy, but please read the article linked in the description. The event is even fairly widely known as the Dugway Sheep Incident. At that time, we had a sawmill up there on the bench, and they burned the slabs and sawdust. And I watched the smoke coming from that one day, and it was coming off of that bench right down into Pitcher Springs and right into that pasture where Gene's cattle were. I asked the sheriff at that time if he would use his influence with the Weather Bureau and trace the weather patterns from Dugway Proving Grounds through Utah into Wyoming and particularly into the Bridger Valley area. And he came back and said, yes, those wind pat weather patterns matched up with the areas where we'd been having those mutilations through Yenna County. 
So what is Leonard's final answer? They were testing to see how much effect it might have had on the population. Of course, they don't want to take samples off of humans, and they certainly don't want to let the citizenry know that they'd had a nut problem. So they were sampling livestock. Who else has the kind of money to be able to afford to put three helicopters in the air every night or, or so, you know, like that? Leonard isn't the first person I've heard say that the government might be behind cattle mutilations to test for levels of something in their bodies, be it radiation or certain toxins or whatever. Before talking to him, I'd always dismiss these series because if you wanted to test a cow for something in its system, why would you fly around in a helicopter scaring everyone and leaving evidence of what you've done behind? Why not simply just walk into a butcher or someplace in plain clothes and buy cow tongue or whatever else you want to take away and test? However, in 1976, if you wanted parts of cattle that were from a certain area, say for example, the Little Valley by Pitcher Springs, and you wanted to be sure the cows really were from that area, perhaps swooping in during the night and taking what you need might be the best way to do it. I know the possibility of just approaching these ranches and asking if you could simply buy one of their cows to butcher yourself might seem cheaper, less threatening, and less dramatic. However, if you read Wolf's article, it shows how hesitant the army was to admit what they had done at Dugway was the actual cause of those 6,000 sheep suddenly all dying at the same time. Their official report regarding the incident wasn't declassified until a decade after it in 1978. It's also important to note that Dugway is only about 50 miles as the wind blows from the southern part of the Salt Lake Valley, which was and probably is one of the biggest population centers in Utah. To make things even more interesting, an article also linked in the description stated that the Deseret Chemical Depot in nearby Tooele, Utah, at one time held over 40% of the nation's stockpile of chemical weapons. Finally, according to a 1998 article by Lee Davidson published in the Deseret News, 12,000 open-air chemical tests, 2,500 germ warfare tests, and hundreds of radiological tests had been planned to be carried out at the Dugway Proving Grounds since the 1950s. Many of these tests have been confirmed to have actually been carried out. In short, with everything that has happened in this area southwest of the Great Salt Lake and its closeness to population centers, could it be that the Army didn't want to go around in plain clothes, casually asking about buying cows and hoping they were getting the right ones from the right areas, all the while stirring up suspicion? Maybe the army did what the army often has, shock and awe. It has helicopters, it has special forces who can repel from helicopters and do all kinds of things in the dark. Maybe they were sent in to retrieve what needed to be tested. While mutilated cattle do stir up suspicions and fear, finding a dismembered, freakishly mutilated animal leads to theories about aliens and cults that land far from something much more conceivable like the army simply sending air assault teams with secret security clearances to harvest animal parts late at night in remote places where data needed to be collected. One has to ask, if this theory is true, why are there still cattle mutilations? Even as late as April, six cows were mutilated in Madison County, Texas. Well, of the eight former chemical weapons storage facilities in the United States, two are still being used in Colorado and Kentucky. Furthermore, what else has been leaked or let out across the country, from radiation to different kinds of toxins to who knows what that the government or some sort of large, well-funded group might want to know about but not want to admit having anything to do with? There's some things that goes on in our government that gives me 
cause for concern. I wanted to thank Leonard Heisel for being on the show today and for sharing this. Uh, This is probably the most tinfoil hat episode I've ever done. Again, I am not an expert and probably not qualified to speak on any of these things, but I did try to share what I could from the research that I did. I hope to have a more down-to-earth episode to you in two weeks. If you're listening to the show on the radio and you like it, please Google That Doesn't Happen every day. Every day is two words, podcast, and you can check out all of my past shows for free. Thanks, and please keep listening.